clubs. Christmas Eve. This has always been one of my favorite nights of the year. As a kid, we would travel to my mom's side of the family to have dinner with my mom's brothers and sisters and their families. All the cousins together. Up until the age of about eight or nine, we would meet at my grandparents' old farmhouse, about a 45 minute drive from where we lived. At some point, we moved the festivities to my aunt and uncle's house, one concession over, and we've met there every Christmas since. I love this night now, even more than when I was a kid. We sit at tables laid out in the rec room, gaudy decorations hang from the ceilings, there's a bar in the corner. This is still one of my favorite places and times to be. There's just one problem. We have too many empty chairs. Hi, I'm Jerry, and I'm one of the producers here at Guy's Podcast. In this episode, we're going to keep it light and airy and talk about death. Buckle up and get ready to laugh your head off. More specifically, we wanted to look at how we deal with friends who are going through this stuff. We've talked to a bunch of our friends and family members, and we might have learned a few things along the way. First, a little about me. I've been told that my contributions to the podcast are that I basically laugh really loud each episode. This has been true to date, but I do have another darker side. Kind of like Batman, but without any of his redeeming features. Zero Dark, Jerry. The one and only ZDG. Do you remember the night that nickname came to be? We were there, just you and I, in the booth for a little while before Jerry got there, and stuff was getting heavy. So this is and Phil with was, two L's and Nathan talking about a not great period in my I life. Was in the booth I was not a pleasant person to be around. And apparently this is amusing. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that something we can laugh about? Like, I, Now it is? Now it yeah, is. I guess. He it, would laugh. He would laugh about it. Are, are you kidding me? He'd be the first. Yeah. He, yeah, he would. He wouldn't put up with us not laughing about it. But yeah, he was like, I don't know. How do, how do you put it? Like, he was really inside his own head. Everything was dark to him. Like, nothing mattered anymore. He didn't no. care about anything. Like, anything from, like, little decisions of, like, what do you want to order? Well, what does it matter? What yeah. does it matter? <laughs> like, where we're, we just look at each other with, like, that blank stare, like, whoa. No, I, I'm thinking about that now. I'm trying to think of the way the conversations develop. I mean, how much do you wish we recorded that? <laughs> I know. I know, man. I had a poached egg on toast. Sweet. I'm not generally a breakfast guy, to be honest. Really? No. This is Jason. He's one of my cousins. I'm a lunch I thought, guy. I thought you would have been a breakfast guy. No, well, you, you would think by my godly figure that I would be a, a, a three-meal-a-day kind of guy, but no, it's mostly two. The Greek physique? Yeah. But I've gotten to know him a lot better over the that. last I'm pretty 10 sure years. I got a dad bob without a baby. And I really like him. What, uh, dad bob with no babies? Yeah, that's what it what it boils down to right now. Oh, well, that's right. In April of 2014, he had that worst knock at the front door. It was probably about six six something in the morning. 
um, I had a knock on my door and my dog was going crazy. I came down the stairs in my boxers. I was the only one here at the time. Um, and I could see a police officer looking in my window and another one at the door. And I was like, oh shit, what did I do? I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was trying to figure out what the hell, like what's going on. And then, so I came to the door. I had to quickly open the door and close it behind my dog because he was going crazy. And so the officer asked me my name and I said my name and I could see what he was holding in his hands. He was holding a little notepad, but he had my brother's driver's license in his hand as well. And I was like, what's going on? And he said, well, you're, uh, is Justin your brother? And I said, yes. He said, well, are your parents home? I said, no, they, they don't live here. They live outside of town. He said, well, your brother was in an accident last night and he didn't make it. Instantly, I probably went all kinds of shades of green and white. I was in absolute shock. I'm like, what do you mean he didn't make it? Like, I just left him. He was going to bed. Like, where, where was he? So I got my shit together and jumped in the back of a cop car. And of course, when I pull in my parents' driveway, I get out of the vehicle, or they let me out of the back, and my dad's standing there in the driveway, because he had seen the, from the garage where they were smoking, they had seen the police cruiser pull in. And I got out, my dad's like, what the hell did you do? And I'm like, I really wish I could tell you I did something, Dad, but we gotta go inside. And then that's when I proceeded to tell them that Justin had died in a car accident. Walking into that room, no one can prepare you for something like that. It was really hard to see. I mean, he hadn't been cleaned up at all. I don't know if that's standard practice for something like that, but going in was really hard. I mean, I remember standing there by myself. My parents came in quick and left, but I just stood there by myself and just put my hand on him, and I, just, I was in absolute shock and disbelief that this actually happened. I remember eating breakfast when my dad called to tell me about Justin. While we were all getting to know each other a lot better recently, we still saw each other only two or three times a year, so in a way Justin's passing didn't hit me till later, long after the memorial even. I didn't know what was coming down the road for me in the next eight months, but I was going to be forced to face Justin's passing one way or another. The internet probably, Google knows everything. Um, someday Google will just be... Remember Daryl? And <laughs> He's our expert. <laughs> He doesn't sound too confident right now, uh, granted, but he's certainly up to the challenge of telling us I why I like a really good diarrhea um, joke when I feel like crying. A robot that would have uh, all of the right, um, AI, like an AI that has all the right responses or all the right, I don't know, I could imagine that. Humor is a way of sort of talking about something that maybe is like really difficult, or maybe it's something that people seem to sweep under the rug or to try to like suppress it in some way trying to like you know you mean you could think about even like in culture society some of the really good comics and comedians are the ones that like talk about things that we tend to not talk about right but the way they do it 
kind of gives us an ability to sort of like interact with this thing that we try to like push away. I got another death story for you. The thing about ZDG is that he has a terribly dark sense of humor. Thankfully, most of it doesn't come out of my mouth, but accidents do happen. In talking this through with Nathan one night, I found out that I'm not the only one that has accidents. I was um, five, I believe, when my uh, grandpa died. So there was all this stuff happening. We were hanging out with our cousins and we were hanging out with family and everything like that. And then um, we were at a church for the funeral and I was part of the family that was being brought in and like sitting in like the first couple of rows. And so here I am like in a little suit or whatever. I walked in and it was like silent and some people were crying and stuff like that because it was a it was an unex not an unexpected death but he died pretty young and um i'm walking up the aisle and i'm looking around and i have no memory of this just so you know so i'm looking around the aisle and seeing people crying and seeing the casket up front and i just stopped and said can someone tell me what the hell is going on here and i said it said it loud and the place went quiet and a few people started laughing and then everyone started laughing and it changed the entire dynamic of the funeral to more of a like a celebratory type thing um but that was my first brush with death and i just wanted to know what was going on Death is often wedded to so much regret. When my grandma was ill and nearing death, I held off a couple of days for a cheaper flight home, and she died before I got there. I still think about it from time to time and feel an inescapable tinge of regret and shame. I had not only missed my chance to hold her soft hands and say goodbye, but I would not been there for my dad. This was his mother. He needed me to be there. I was arrogant enough to think death would wait for me to find a cheaper return flight on EasyJet low-cost airlines. There's nothing worse than learning a life lesson from something as final and irreversible as death. When I was on tour with a band, I got news my good friend Nick's mother had died. I was so busy and consumed with my own life, I somehow rationalised to myself that it was best to give him some space. Giving him space meant sending him a text message and not following it up. I remember two months later, standing on a train platform, talking to Nick on the phone and hearing him express his deep hurt that I'd not been there. Why had I not dropped everything and closed the distance? Early 20s me was a shocking embarrassment sometimes. Early 20s Kevin may have been a shocking embarrassment, but mid-30s Jerry has even fewer excuses. Following Justin's death, I didn't really reach out the way I now know I should have. Jason has been gracious enough to share with me how close he and his brother had become, and how big a part of his life was now missing. Um, we had 
uh, obviously a, a sibling relationship for a long time. We were brothers. Uh, he was older than I was, so I got the younger brother's treatment for a large extent of that until I'd say probably around 2012. The last three, two, three years of uh, of his life, we we grew together, and literally we were together every single day, whether it was having a beer, watching a documentary, playing PlayStation, just shit that uh, friends would essentially do. But I mean, he definitely grew to be my best friend, and I think he would say the same for me over the course of time. I, I can't even imagine what Jason was going through losing someone that close to him. I mean, I can think about what might happen, but I'm not able to say how I would feel or how I would react. How do you replace something like that? Is that even the right word? It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It feels dirty to say it. In November, just six months after Justin had died, Jason had another call. Another one of my cousins on that side of the family and a close friend of Jason's had passed away. Tyler was in his early 30s, and he just didn't wake up one morning. My wife Liz and I were away that weekend, and she had answered my cell phone. Just looking at her face, I knew right away something was really wrong. Well, this was not a knock at my door, but it was a a phone call from my mom that I still, again, just can't believe. My brother being in a car accident, that made, like, that... I knew it happened, but I think the big thing, and I think what hit me hardest about Tyler is, is really not knowing exactly what happened and just knowing that he's just gone. Like, how could I go? Like I said, he was a healthy guy. And I mean, I think it really hurt a lot of us too, because I mean, especially with family things, like he was the life of every family thing we were at. Tyler's death hit the whole family really hard. Like Jason said, he was the life of the party, and he just didn't wake up. We still don't have any answers on what happened. Tyler's funeral was the worst day of my life at that point. Everything was really raw, and I think for many of us, we were forced to face Justin's death head-on for the first time. I couldn't control how I felt. I couldn't control how I reacted to people, what I was thinking. There was one night in late November, a couple weeks after Tyler's passing, where Nathan had come around to my house. I'd built an ice rink in the backyard and I'd filled it way too early, so it was full of dead leaves. Nathan borrowed a pool skimmer from a co-worker of his. I taped an old hockey stick to a fishnet and we skimmed leaves out of my rink for a couple of hours. I don't remember what we talked about, but in retrospect, it's pretty clear I was trying to chart my own personal course through my grief. People talk a lot about like the stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining depression and then acceptance there was sort of like the understanding that it did move linearly through the stages but what they're finding is that it's not it's not straightforward like that maybe those stages do exist in that process of grief but you're not moving in like a straight line you know you're like back and forth and bouncing over and one time you're in acceptance and then you're back into anger and then you're and sometimes you're in like more multiple like stages at once. Um, it's not it's not like a straight kind of process. That can be disorienting, right? 
it throws you sort of in your reference points. There isn't really necessarily a set way of kind of working through it. This sounds a lot like what Jason described to me when he told me about facing what had happened to Justin. He was following a path that seemed to have no direction. But I just remembered the first time I walked into his house after, and I don't remember if it was exactly the day after or the day after that. It might have been two days after that I went in there and literally just walked into the door and completely, completely broke down. I mean, there was just so much stuff everywhere. Like, right, he, he left that night not thinking anybody was going to come. Like, not thinking that he was going to die that night. And, I mean, of course, there's beer cans everywhere. There's food plates everywhere. Like, stuff like that, right? Just seeing his house and just knowing that I had just left here. And he's never coming back. And now we have to pick up the pieces. And that's what really, really got to me, was that moment. I remember just like breaking down. I sat there on his couch for probably two hours before I did anything and just crying. Just absolutely bawling because I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that this was happening. And that I no longer had my only brother and who I considered over the last couple of years my best friend. And you know my my other death story, I've told you this many times about my biggest regret in life with Liz's dad and that funeral. Tyler died in November, and it took me around till the middle of January to start feeling like I was getting out of the fog and the confusion. And then with no warning and far too young, my wife's father died of a bacterial infection. He's a huge figure in my wife's family, and this loss was absolutely devastating for all of us. I felt myself thrown right back into all the confusion, and this time, I was forced to watch as those closest to me tried to struggle through things, all the while feeling completely helpless and unable to fix anything at all. When Liz's dad died, and we were like pretty good friends at that point already, and you came and asked me to like do that picture stuff, and we were making the slideshow and everything like that, and... I was just so happy to like contribute to that funeral and stuff, but I had no idea that it's important to support your friends and like actually show up to the funeral. And so I didn't go afterwards. My, I think it was my mom being like, so how was the funeral? And me being like, what, what are you talking about? I didn't go. I didn't know him. <laughs> and, and her being like, uh, it's not about, that you knew the person it's that you know the person that's been affected by this like you're supposed to like go show your support and like that was like i felt like i got punched in the face like i felt terrible but i don't know it went from me feeling a little bit almost selfish to like wow it's not about me it's not even about the person that died this is about the people who are here and dealing with this we don't always know what to do for our friends. We don't always know how to support each other. We don't always do the best things for each other. But once you get it, you get it. Nathan was there when Zero Dark Jerry was born, 
and he continues to tolerate him when I go down a particularly dark path. And these dark paths continue, they don't stop. There are sunny patches here and there, though, depending on the weather. I mean, mentally today, I feel like I'm definitely stronger, and I take definitely don't take life for granted like I probably did before. But still, it's it's one of those things, and I mean, you don't wish it on anybody, but until you actually experience it, it's hard to even explain. It's hard to even explain now what you go through as a change as a person, how you change, and how different outlook you have on life. I'm not grateful for that I had to go through that, but I can also be respectful of the fact that that has changed me as a person, but I feel like it's changed me in a better way as a person, despite the dark days and everything that I went through. I do feel like I have a better connection with I mean, family and my life and how I took things for granted and how, what life means now. I try not to think about death too much. Up until this point, I've done a pretty great job at avoiding too many interactions, but I often wonder when the bubble of the good life I've built is suddenly going to pop. Surely it must be my turn soon to have a beloved character in the story of my charmed existence suddenly ripped away from me, to have someone I cannot live without snatched, to long for Nick to call me. I've sat next to that grief, but I've never fully sat in it myself. When my grandma died, my dad joked that he'd moved up a floor. He was next in line. The man with the big, hairy, safe arms that would live forever. I guess that meant Dad moved up a floor as well. It's strange to think of death as something we're all making our way towards, floor by floor, season by season, time marching on and with it our mortality. It's healthy to sit with these thoughts from time to time, to give them an audience without allowing ourselves to get dragged under into dread's depths. But any attempt to master mystery likely leads to madness. And we all have work tomorrow and people to love today and fear is such a fruitless emotion anyway, only ever taking. And life takes enough, but it also gives. This bittersweet dance we all find ourselves in, a constant tiptoe along the tightrope of joy and grief. What are we to do but give ourselves to it and to one another? To be present in all things, to always close the distance and clasp hands through it all. Christmas Eve 2014, we start a new tradition. Threw a couple of road hockey nets and a pile of old sticks in the back of the truck. We played a game of pickup in the driveway. Lessons were learned, glasses were broken, drinks were spilt. We taught those kids how to play road hockey. We had fun and we laughed again. Our bubbles had popped this year and we needed some relief. We walked the tightrope, we closed the distance, and we clasped hands. Oh, they moved the net. That would 
This episode of the Guys Podcast is for Justin and Tyler and John. Perhaps more importantly, it's for Jason and Jen and Tara and Ellen and Catherine and Heather and Jonathan and Simon and Liz. Why? This is about the people who are here and dealing with this. Yeah, that's right. Guy's Podcast is produced by me, Jerry Zagarius, and by Nathan Schur. Special contributions this episode from Kevin and Daryl and Phil, and especially a big thank you to Jason. As always, we want to thank our friends and family for all the support and the encouragement. Thanks to you, our listeners, for bearing with us as we operate on our own schedule. More to come soonish from the Guy's Podcast. Yeah, that's true. No one told you anything.